This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Worth Your Time podcast. I'm your host, Erica Anderson. Today, I'm speaking with my friend, Laura Skwajinski. She's someone I met through running marathons and blogging years ago, and we've always kept in touch, and she has been one of the most inspiring people I've met. The girl has run 107 full marathons. (laughs) Yeah, and we talk about that a bit. Um, But she's also just an amazing career woman. She works for PricewaterhouseCoopers doing a job that she loves. So we talk about that, which I always find it so interesting when people are just in love with what they do for a living. And then we also talk about her foray into local politics. She's currently running for a local nonpartisan office in Colorado where she lives. And so I thought that was so interesting and so ambitious to do um, when she's got so many other things going on. um, I just found that to be very refreshing and I know that you will too. So um, hear a little bit and learn from my friend Laura Skwajinski. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today for the Worth Your Time podcast. I'm Erica, and I'm here today with my friend, Laura Skwajinski. Thank you so much, Laura, for coming on. Thank you, Erica. Really excited to be here. Well, Laura and I have known each other for, I don't know, Laura, what do you think? Like six, seven years, something like that? Yeah, it's got to be at least that. It's a long time. Yeah, we met each other through the blogging community back when I had my blog, The Sweet Life, which is now defunct, <laughs> but, um, and, and Laura, we were both blogging a lot about running and I think you're, you still do blog, right? I do. Yes. Not quite as frequently as I used to, but I try to get at least one or two posts up a week. Okay. Yeah. So we were, this was back in my marathon running days and, um, I met Laura through friends. I think we ran like the same half marathon in DC at one point, And then we went to a conference yeah. together but I wanted to kick off our conversation talking, and we're going to talk about a few different things, but one thing that I love about you is um, how you got started blogging, um, which is you had a goal of, tell, correct me if I'm wrong, but you had a goal of completing 50 marathons by your 25th birthday? Yes. So, um, you know, so first I kind of started where my goal was just to be able to run one mile because I couldn't do that when I first started running. And honestly, it took me like two months to be able to train to run a mile without taking a walk break. Um, but then after that, I kept increasing the distance that I was running and ended up going out for a long run where I ran 22 miles. So even though I wasn't really training for a marathon, I knew that was as far as most marathon training plans went. So I signed up for my first marathon, um, which was the Key Bank Vermont City Marathon. Um, I picked it because Key Bank was not the only main sponsor. The other headline sponsor was Ben and Jerry's and they had all you could eat ice cream at the finish line. (laughs) So I Yeah, so I figured that was as good a reason as any to run a marathon. Um, And then after running that marathon, um, I mean, I was shocked that I finished, but I had so much fun doing it. So I decided I was going to set a goal of running a marathon in every state. 
Um, and I thought it would take me like 30 years to do it and it would just be this life goal. But after five or six of them, um, Bart Yasso actually, um, was talking to him at a race expo and he said, Oh, if you ran one in every state, you'd be the youngest woman to do that. Right. And I was like, I have no idea. I'll go look this up and discovered I had seven years to break that record. So I went for it as fast as possible um, and ended up doing it in two years so that I could be the youngest woman to have done that. And Bart Yasso, tell everyone who he is. Oh, so Bart Yasso is the former chief running officer for Runner's World. And I believe that was his title, which is such an awesome title. He retired uh, from there in 2017, I think. But he is just, um, I mean, his nickname is the mayor of running. He knows everyone in the running scene. um, He goes all over the country to different races. And is just one of the most supportive people um, in in running, which I think is fantastic. I've gotten to know him at a number of races. Yeah, I've met him a couple times. I have a picture with him. And you're right. Everyone basically in the running community knows who Bart is. And he's always out there cheering. And he's such a positive force. So, that's cool that he uh, filled you in that you might break a record. Um, how did you go from, you, know, you ran one, but then you start running, you had to run so many um, so close together. Um, how did that work in terms of training? And like, did your body ever revolt against you? And did you ever think, why am I doing this? Um, so yeah, there were definitely a lot of points where I thought, why am I doing this? <laughs> um at first, it you know, before I really started going for the 50 states in earnest, it was honestly a matter of thinking, well, maybe maybe Vermont was a fluke. Maybe, you know, maybe the course was short because there's no way that I could really run a marathon. <laughs> um, so started doing a couple just to test myself. Um, as far as the training went, I tended to not really run a lot in between marathons. Um, so very different than your typical training plan where you might you know, train for four months, five months, six months, then run one marathon and then take it easy. Um, I kind of did every marathon at more of long run pace than actual race pace. Um, so even though I was doing one, you know, every weekend during peak spring and fall seasons, um, it wasn't as taxing on the body as people who go out there, you know, and really go for their fast time. That's true. Now, I think one time we had talked and I think at that time you had never, seriously trained for a marathon for time. Have you done that now? Not really. Um, I really want to get into that now because the last couple of years I've fallen in love with Orange Theory Fitness. Um, and their, I mean, their treadmill training is amazing for speed work. So I have gotten so much faster. Um, I've dropped my 5k PR by like five minutes since I started doing that. And I'm kind of curious to see how that would translate to a full marathon if I were to then get my long runs up and do that. Last fall, I did a couple of half marathons. And um, my the first one I did, I literally put in no long distance training. But from Orange Theory Fitness alone, um, I took well, I ended up taking 15 minutes off my half marathon PR. So what, um, so what so is was, your PR now? Uh, so my half marathon PR is now one hour, 37 minutes. Oh, that's uh, so good, Laura. Yeah, I was, I was thrilled. Um, I mean, before orange theory, I think I was at one fifty three. Um, so that's, that's a huge change. Um, and would be, you know, really curious to see how much lower I could get that if I really stepped up my long run training. 
Well, I actually had it on my list of questions to ask you about Orange Theory because I knew that you had been doing it. And I also occasionally go, and I had been wondering how that, because I, I, of course, noticed, like, man, this does seem like good speed training, although it seemed so almost like not enough because like I just did a a plan for a half marathon where you know like it'll say you know warm up a mile then run four miles at say race pace as like one speed workout and so that's obviously like way more than you would ever do at Orange Theory but that's very interesting that it's made you so much faster and it makes me kind of want to up my membership now. Yeah, I mean, you don't run that much in Orange Theory. I mean, the longest you would do is like maybe 25 minutes. So you're getting in like three, like maybe three, three and a half miles at the most. Um, But I think for me, it was about just getting my body used to holding on to like a six minute pace, which is something that I never would have touched before. Um, So I found that it's great to kind of do Orange Theory a couple days a week, then go for runs outside or on trails um, a couple days a week. Um, And then on race day, for me, it's just kind of all come together where all of a sudden I'm holding my Orange Theory pace that I've only ever held for like a mile, um, but I can get through a 5k at that pace. Um, so it's kind of a non-traditional training method, but it's it's really working for me right now. So what do you go for your all-outs? What number do you hit? <laughs> um, I was doing the all-outs um, at about a 12, um, 12.0, which is a five-minute pace. Um, but um, I started getting shin splints. Oh. Um, and uh, yeah, so I've now pulled back my all outs to be 11 or maybe 11.5 if it's shorter. And instead, I've just been increasing my base and push speeds so that I'm getting less recovery and kind of getting the training that way. Okay, got uh, it. Yeah, so I think that makes more sense for me. Whereas originally, I was trying to keep it where my base push and all out were exactly one mile an hour apart. Um, and now I'm like, all right, we'll just we'll keep that all out pace up at 11, 11, five, but we'll start increasing the base and push where, you know, I'm at nine, five for base or 10, five or sometimes even 11 for a push, depending how long it is. Um, what do you, people love orange theory? I mean, I feel like it's taken the country by storm, at least in my demographic. Um, what do you think people love about it so much? What do you love about it so much? I honestly, I think it's great to have someone else telling me what to do. Um, I know if you just put me on a treadmill and told me to do a workout, I would be like, Oh, I'm tired. Slow it down now. Um, and I think what I, one thing I would just love about orange theory is the fact that you, you know, they tell you, you should be able to hold your push pace for two minutes. And so having gone to Orange Theory now for a couple of years, I know what my push pace is. um, And I, I get into it. And I think, wow, this is really hard. But I know I'm supposed to be able to do it. So I stick with it. And for me, it's just, it's been a surprise to me to see how well I can do when I actually stick with it versus saying, oh, this feels hard, I'm gonna slow it down and give up. Okay, we'll move on from Orange Theory. For those of you listening that don't go there, you probably are (laughs) bored by this conversation, but I I love talking about it, and I just think it's fun. Um, But so I think think you had mentioned to me one time that you, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you had wanted to do, like, motivational speaking. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, when I was doing all these marathons, I had a number of races reach out to me and say, we'd like you to be the speaker at the race. Um, so I got to do that a few times and had a lot of fun with it. Um, but I don't know, it's something where 
it's it, it's so weird to be like, oh, I could be a motivational speaker because who am I to say that I'm inspirational by any means? Um, so I haven't really done that in a while on the running side of things, but my company has actually asked me to do a little bit of that internally. So I still get a taste of it from time to time. Oh, that's cool. I, I recently signed up for a, um, a public speaking kind of workshop. It's called the Mic Drop Workshop. <laughs> it just teaches you about how to be a public speaker and also um, really talks about how there's a, really a lack of female speakers on the conference circuits. So, um, and, and this workshop is all about how you can like actually oh, get paid to be a public speaker. The girl that created it, um, actually, this is pretty much what she does for a living and she's only 28 years old. So she's very inspirational, but anyway, it's just food for thought. If you ever, you know, <laughs> want to get, That's get back so to that cool. idea. Yeah. Um, and you, you mentioned your job, you travel a lot for your job. I know on your blog, you always link articles for you know, all kinds of different uh, niche travel um, ideas and things that are going on. So tell us a little bit about yeah. what you do. And you seem like you really like your job. So I would love to hear a little bit about that. Yeah, I love my job. Um, I work in management consulting um, for PwC, PricewaterhouseCoopers. Um, my job is working with consumer markets companies. So that's a lot of um, airlines, hotels, restaurants, retail stores, um, service companies, things like that. Um, and my job is really just to come in and help them solve whatever their big problems are um, and figure out what they can do to be even better. We use a lot of different tactics. Um, for me, the first thing I always do is try to just talk to everyone within the company um, from the top level C-suite um, to the um, people out there actually on the floor working with customers and get all those different perspectives on what are the pain points, what are the challenges, um, and what's working well. So then what we'll do is we'll take all of those opinions, we'll kind of aggregate them together and provide a lot of learnings from what we've seen at other companies in similar positions. I think that's one of the advantages of bringing in consulting firms is we've gotten to see a lot of stuff um, from a lot of other companies in the same industry and um, companies in other industries as well that are taking innovative approaches. So a lot of my job is really listening to people and just figuring out um, how can we assimilate all of these different perspectives into one strategy. So at the end of your time at a particular company, um, do you give like a big presentation to the team? Um, it's it's a lot of presentations throughout. Um, I try to avoid just doing one big presentation at the end because then sometimes you'll find out you're way off track and you haven't had a chance to fix it. Um, so it's more of, you know, every couple weeks saying, hey, here's what we learned. Does this sound directionally right? Should we keep going and should we keep going this way or should we take a turn? Um, and a lot of times you'll find you get new information that completely changes where the project ends up from where you thought it would be at the beginning. And do you have any companies that you can mention that you've worked with? Good question. And um, let me think through some that are public. Um one company that I worked with that I thought was so much fun, um, it's a company called RoomKey, um, RoomKey.com. It was this, it was a startup really when I started working there. There were only three people in the company and then uh, two of us consultants were brought in. But it was this really unique startup because it was founded by um, the major hotel chain, the major hotel chains, Hilton, Hyatt, Wyndham, Choice, IHG, and Marriott. 
And essentially, they were all coming together to figure out how they could build a portal to compete with Expedia and Orbitz. So I got to design this whole website, figure out what features do we need in order to compete, manage the development team in order to build and launch the website, um, and then see it on launch day get written up in the Wall Street Journal and see all the live traffic coming to the site. So and it's, that was still, really... it's still going well? It is, yeah. So um, the idea, it's funny. Um, you always have to look at kind of why why do the clients want this? In this case, it wasn't so much for it to become this big consumer-facing website, um, but more for the hoteliers to have a response to the OTA so that when Expedia says, you know, we're going to increase our take from $8 per booking to $10 per booking, the hotels have recourse to say, well, we could start marketing our channel and take business away from you entirely. So it was this big, really strategic initiative, um, but it was a lot of fun to get to work on and design it from scratch. That sounds really cool. And I know sometimes I see you talking about different brands. Um, and I always am just a little jealous of your very cool job. <laughs> um, it's a lot of fun. I work with so many amazing people. Um, I can't say enough about just the teams and the clients I get to work with. And then I just love that it's a new challenge, you know, every week, every month. Um, I have friends who say, oh, I'm sick of my job. I need to do something else. And that's just never the case in consulting because you're always moving on to new projects. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so speaking of new projects, uh, you have another new project in your life going on. You are, <laughs> um, getting a little bit involved in politics and, um, honestly you have such a great charismatic personality. You seem like the perfect person to be in that <laughs> kind of space. And so when I saw that you were doing that, now you live in Superior, Colorado, that's right. Um, it's called Superior, and ugh, it really is like the best town in the country. I love it here so much. And how close is that to, say, Denver? Um, so we're about 20 minutes from Denver and 10 minutes from Boulder. Okay. Well, that is just like a you know an athlete and an outdoor lover's mecca over there. <laughs> Most people know that, and it is beautiful. I've been out to Colorado several times, um, and you have lived there now for, I want to say, four years or so? Yep, that's exactly right. Moved here four years ago from Manhattan. So big change, but Huge oh my change. gosh, I could not be happier. <laughs> oh, that's that's so awesome. And and so what gave you, so you're running for basically, you're running for city council, is that right? Yes, that's right. We and call it the board of trustees The here. board of trustees, but basically that is what it is. Um, exactly. What made you want to do that? Um, you know, it's like these days, politics is so divisive. Um, and there's yeah. just so much crap out there, basically. Um, what makes someone want to get involved in politics at this time? So I started out just going to town meetings because I wanted to know what was going on. Um, and as I went to some of these meetings, I started speaking up when I had an opinion on things. And then last year, several of the current trustees on our board approached me and said, you know, you really ought to consider running. Your ideas are great. And my reaction was, oh, my gosh, I am not a politician at all. Are you kidding me? Um, but when I looked into what the actual job entails, it's really similar to what I do in consulting. It's identifying problems, figuring out solutions, you know, listening across the community to make sure that I'm incorporating everyone's input and then just making things happen. Um, so once I realized that, it, it seemed like a great fit. Um, I also, I, I mean, big part of it for me also is the fact that it's not 
or at least I thought it wasn't going to be political. Um, I'm running, it's a nonpartisan role. So you don't declare your um, party affiliation as part of the campaign. Um, and it really just is about making the town a better place. Um, with everything that's been going on the last couple of years, I just thought it was really fantastic to get to focus at a, at a local level on what can I do to make my town better, even if I can't control things across the country. Yeah, it kind of seems like it would be nice if we could just not make people declare their party sometimes just because everything gets so warped into partisan politics and you never get a chance to really see person for who they are. Yeah. Oh, I completely agree. And, um, you know, that's something where I think especially everything going on the last couple of weeks has just kind of shown me how people really stick to their party rather than focusing on what a good decision is. And that's something that I, I don't have a solution to the two-party system by any means, but I would just really like to see us all come together and not worry about who's blue and who's red and just focus on doing the right thing. Right, and just the ideas behind you know why we're doing things. Um, so I think you mentioned that you had experienced a little bit of... Um, negative feedback in, in this race so far? Um, how has it been kind of running for a position? Um, it has been so much more intense than I ever imagined. <laughs> um, so it's a lot of work. I mean, it's constantly going out and meeting people. It's putting signs up. It's throwing events to get to meet more people and then speaking at other events. Um, and it, yeah, it's a ton, but I, I keep saying, you know, even if I lose this election, I'm just so excited that I've gotten to meet so many amazing neighbors in my community. And to me, that has just been such a great benefit is making all these friends along the way. As far as the negativity goes, though, um, yeah, so last week I had an incident where um, some people found out that, um, what my party affiliation is as far as my voter registration, which... I knew would come up because it's public and um, I wasn't going to change it or, you know, lie about what my affiliation is. But that's where, again, I just think it's so important for us to listen to pe what people have to say rather than focusing on, um, you know, which party they're registered with or that sort of thing. Um, for us to do good things for the town, the state, the country, I think we just need to put aside our labels and figure out how can we work together on making things as good as they can be. Yeah, that's, that's such a refreshing, <laughs> that's such a refreshing sentiment. I totally agree. Uh, do you think, I mean, is it, what is the likelihood that you um, will get elected? <laughs> Tough question. And we don't do polls or anything, um, but there are three seats open and we have six candidates running. So, mm. I mean, by the numbers, it's 50-50, but I'm really hoping I'm doing a good enough job with my campaign that I'm increasing those chances. <laughs> so what, is, what does your campaign entail? I'm very curious because I've had like a small inkling in my brain from time to time about maybe that's something I should do. Not, not looking ahead to anything more, like, more than like the city council, but I, I occasionally think it could be something I could do. So I'd be curious to know what, what have you done in terms of a campaign? Yeah, so I've done a lot of the typical stuff around putting signs out and putting, you know, doorknob hangers out and going to events and meeting people. But the thing I've done that has been fairly unique and I've heard a lot of positive feedback about is that one part of my platform is around increasing transparency 
of what's going on in town, what are the decisions being made, and how can people participate. So I started doing these blog recaps of every town meeting so that people who don't have time to go to the meetings can just read my recap and know what's going on and provide a comment or email the board and and provide their feedback that way. That has just been, um, I mean, it's been a lot of fun. I love writing. And as you know, I've been blogging for so long that I'm used to it. Um, But it's also been great as a way for me to better get to know the issues because I'm doing a lot of research into them before I post them on my blog. Um, And that's something I'm hoping that if and when I get elected, I'd like to start a high school internship so that we can have students do these blog posts. I think it's a win-win because it would be great experience for them, but also helps our town get the word out about what's going on and make sure that citizens are really engaged. Yeah, I think that's that's such a great idea, just like a different way to connect with people that probably the other people aren't doing. And, I, and I'm guessing the five other people likely don't have a blog <laughs> like you do. No. <laughs> uh, so how are you getting that to people or how are you making people aware that that's there for them to read? I am doing a lot of sharing on social media. Um, I was never really a Facebook person, but now that now that I've been in the midst of this campaign, I've been on there just all the time. And it's really neat to see I'll post something and dozens of people will share my post with their friends or say, you've got to look at this. Um, my friend Chris was at the gym the other day and she heard people in the locker room talking about a blog post that I wrote. And I'm just so excited by that because I think that sort of community engagement and discussion is what we need to make sure that everyone knows what's going on and has the opportunity to have their voice heard. That's awesome. Um, so let's, let's uh, go back to a couple of other things. Um, for In terms of your personal and professional goals coming up in the next five years, maybe next 10 years, um, can you give me maybe one personal goal, one professional goal that you'd like to accomplish in the next five years? Oh, those are tough. Um, so I think in the next five years, um, I'm looking forward to really getting either getting on the partner track at my at my company or making partner in that time frame, um, which is crazy to me. Um, when I started in consulting, I, I didn't imagine that I would be the type of person who could be a partner. But as I've grown within the company, and um, I've kind of shed some of that imposter syndrome and started realizing, yeah, I am good at what I do. And I love managing teams and I could be effective in that leadership role. And as that's as, such a Price Waterhouse Coopers, That is such a massive, massive organization, right? It is. Yeah, we have I believe we have 40,000 employees in the U.S. It's it's huge. Okay. How about a personal goal? Personal goal? Well, I mean, on the running front, um, I'd really like to break 20 minutes in the 5K sometime soon. Um, that's been a goal of mine for the last couple of years. Um, but it's been it's been hard because I've wanted to not travel much to do races. And running a race here at Altitude in Colorado is a lot more challenging than running one um, if I were to go somewhere else. Um, so I'm just a little bit above that right now at 2056 and hoping I can get it down soon. I've done it on the treadmill a number of times, but just need to replicate that in a race. Yeah, well, if you do get to a 5K outside of Colorado on normal ground, you will do it because uh, that training in high altitude is going to give you all the benefits <laughs> that you need. 
That's what I'm hoping. <laughs> Isn't treadmill running? It's just so different. Like I did most of my training for my half marathon last weekend um, on the treadmill. And I just, I have such a hard time keeping up with the paces I need to when I'm not on the treadmill, just because I guess mm-hmm. it's because you have to force yourself, whereas the treadmill just like forces your legs to move. Yes. Well, and that's where I think the more treadmill training you do, the more it just gets your legs into those cadence where they're used to it. And so I think that's where, that's what's been so successful with me with my training. Um, My other secret weapon is I don't tend to drink um, caffeinated drinks very much. Um, I drink decaf, like, well, I drink a lot of tea and coffee, but I'll decaf all the time. And then on race morning, I'll swap in regular caffeinated coffee. And that gets me ready to go real fast. <laughs> oh, I like that. I mean, I drink a lot of caffeine, so that wouldn't work for me. Uh, do you have any <laughs> other race day tips or tricks? Um, good question. I I love running while listening to music. And I, p- I pick specific playlists and specific songs that really keep me v- motivated and really get me going. Um, this summer, I had the opportunity to volunteer for a week at this camp in California for kids who have lost a parent or sibling in the last year. And we had this um, kind of theme song for the camp. So now that is always on my race day playlist. I tend to play it right before I get to the finish. And it's always the point in the race when I'm exhausted and I'm tired and I'm kind of like, eh, how much does a PR really mean to me? I should take a break. <laughs> Um, and listening to that song just reminds me that there's people going through so much tougher stuff. And if they can get through it, then the least I can do is just keep running for a couple more minutes. Um, what is that song? Can you tell us? Yeah, it's from, uh, the greatest showman on earth and it's called, this is me. Okay. I've heard a lot of people that are obsessed with that soundtrack. I have not seen the movie yet, and I really, I'm hoping I can make the time to sit down and watch a movie soon so I can see it, but um, the song is fantastic. It's really inspirational, and it's also just got this great beat that keeps you moving forward. Uh, where Do you have your playlists anywhere, like on Spotify, where we could see them? So I have my playlist on Spotify. I don't know how to share them, but I can try to figure that out. <laughs> well, I'll just I'll just look on my Spotify and try to connect with you and maybe I can just find them and just like link to them because I just I'm always looking for other people's playlists because I'm just so bad at making my own that um I just would rather steal yours. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um yeah, let's connect and I'll show you what I have. Um I yeah, I love just listening to really good music and I have a big mix, you know, some of it is soundtrack some of its pop some of its show tunes some of its country and some of its christian music so all over the board yeah i mean i'm just kind of like if it has a good beat i'm in Um, exactly uh, so just a couple more questions what do you have any advice for maybe young women just starting out in their careers that are wanting to you know climb quote climb the ladder as as is said um kind of like you're doing and as you're aspiring to be a partner what what advice might you give someone that's just starting out maybe after college So I think one piece of advice that a lot of people don't get is realizing that, you know, men and women are different in the workplace. We tend to approach things differently and we have different barriers. And I think it can be really easy as you look to the senior levels of your company and you see all these men at the senior positions to try to follow in their footsteps. Um, But, you know, there's things like So many studies have found that women need to be likable, whereas men can be more aggressive. Um, And it's frustrating that that's the way it is. 
But I think starting to figure that out and figure out how you can work around it and how you can work to change it is incredibly valuable. And there's so many great books out there on this topic. Um, I'm looking at my bookshelf in my office right now. Um, it's things like Executive Presence um, is a wonderful book that I would highly recommend or Confidence Code, um, Lean In, you know, all these books that really clarify like what are the nuances of how you might need to do things differently as well as the barriers you might face and how you can conquer them. Those are, I love book um, ideas. So everybody take note. Actually, I'll put that in the show notes because um, I think there's just, you can never read too many of those kinds of books. They're always so inspiring and just full of ideas for, um, for getting where you want to go. So that's awesome. Um, Exactly. Last question. uh, Aside from those, do you have any Books, movies, podcasts, shows, things that you've read, watched, listened to recently that you might recommend. Um, I am reading a book right now that I am absolutely loving. Um, It's called The Art of Gathering, How We Meet and Why It Matters. And it really, um, it runs the gamut of kind of how do you design an effective office meeting to how do you design an effective dinner party or, um, you know, cocktail event. And it's really interesting to look into the psychology of why do people meet? What can we do to make people feel more comfortable? And how can you get, you get really clear on what your goals for a gathering are? Um, so as someone who loves hosting dinner parties, loves having people over, um, it's been neat to kind of see the science behind how I can do that better rather than just putting a lot of food out and hoping for the best. <laughs> yeah, that, that sounds like a really interesting book and, and certainly relevant to what you're doing right now in terms of your political aspirations and, and for your job as well. So I will, I will definitely put that link in the show notes and check it out myself. Well, thank you, Laura, awesome. so much for joining me as one of my first guests on my podcast. And um, I thought it was so much fun talking to you. So thanks so much. Thank you, Erica. I'm so excited for your podcast and can't wait to hear your other guests as well. It was so fun chatting with Laura and getting to hear from her and get some advice on life and career and just being a positive person in general. I love talking with her. I hope you enjoyed our conversation and took a little bit from that. Um, Make sure that you find Laura on social media, follow her, support her, and there's no doubt that you'll get a lot of positivity out of what you see from Laura. See you next time on Worth Your Time. This episode was brought to you in part by The Truce Podcast. The new season examines the connection between some evangelicals and the Republican Party with the help of world-class historians. Subscribe to Truce in your podcast app or listen at trucepodcast.com.